Listen for the word of God in John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was, was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would have not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her again, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has not been dead, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The word of God. Thank you, Quinn, Leah, for reading our scripture this morning. Lazarus was dead and now is alive. That's the story in one sentence. It's a miracle, an unexplainable, supernatural, surprising outcome. Most often, shared at funerals and Easter, this is a signature story for the Christian faith, and we can get it down to two words. Resurrection happens. We know our stories already, said one teenager. We tell the same Bible stories again and again. We know them all. We, we heard them as kids in our classes here at the church, maybe at the academy, maybe at home in family worship. We've heard them at vacation Bible school, veggie tales. We know our stories already. It, it's, like, it's like our stories aren't quite enough. I love it when kids tell us the truth. I want to love it when kids tell us the truth. One response to this truth-telling is that we simply repeat the story again. Let's say it in a, a louder voice with more thorough detail, with more compelling connections and conclusions. Kids don't really listen, right? Right? So, so let's read the story better. Listen for a word from God. Jesus is two miles too far out to reach Lazarus when he gets sick. Five times in six verses, we're told Lazarus is weak. Oh, okay, it's serious. So when sending word to Jesus of the illness, why not insist, Jesus, come right now, it's urgent. But they simply say Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is in Beth Bethany, which means the house of affliction. Bethany, Bethany's bad news. They've tried to stone Jesus in that city, and now Lazarus is dying in that city. But these are the friends Jesus loves, Lazarus, Mary, Martha. If they can't get a healing, who can get a healing? Still Jesus lingers, my father would say, dinks around. Two more days before Thomas, Thomas of all people, Thomas of all the disciples, Thomas gives the pep talk. If this is a Winnie the Pooh cast, you know, Thomas is Eeyore. When Jesus arrives in Bethany, each of the sisters has a private and personal greeting outside the village where they ask candidly, where were you? If only, Jesus. Now, though, Lazarus is dead. We sisters, we just lost our social security. You are too late. The gravity of the situation weighs on Jesus, the text tells us he's deeply moved in spirit and troubled, two separate and intense emotions. Mary, Martha, the crowds, they're all weeping this ceremonial, loud, ritual weeping and wailing and dust. But Jesus wept. Only time we read this verb in the New Testament, Jesus shed tears. Mary and Martha need Jesus to act like God and Jesus acts human. Moving to the tomb, Jesus asks the crowd, remove the stone. Martha protests, you don't really want to smell what's in there. The King James Bible, <laughs> Lord, he stinketh. 
Lazarus has been in there for four days. In Jewish culture, that's one day beyond the possibility of the spirit and the flesh being reunited. It's over for Lazarus. He's truly dead. The crowds wonder out loud now, why did Jesus bother to heal the blind man he didn't know and leave his own kin to die? We're still in the middle of me telling the better version of the story. Are you, are you still with me? Are you still here? This is the better, more informed, the more compelling, the thorough version of the story. Remove the stone, Jesus says. And then he prays to God. Thank you for hearing me. Lazarus, come forth, Jesus announces. Augustine, the fourth century church leader, he says that Jesus had to speak the name of Lazarus. Otherwise, everyone, all people would have come forth from their tombs at the sound of Jesus's voice. The dead man walks. Lazarus, he came out of his tomb like a walking cadaver. Though we prefer a detour around deep darkness in our faith journey, it is through deep darkness that God's work it is, works. And it is through these deep layers of bandages and stink, lifeless decay that God creates again. Which can mean when the smell is foul, God is about to do God's thing. The next time there's a sickness in the Gospel of John, it will be Jesus. And the next time there's a tomb, it belongs to him. The next grave clothes are wrapped around Jesus's body. The one who was absent for Lazarus, Mary, Martha. This is their story. This is our story. This is God's story. Giving life and giving life again. It's the realm of the divine. God, God will come in surprising and unpredictable ways. Not reviving the old, but giving something new. Take comfort in knowing that we're in the care of God. If this is your first, maybe second time hearing the Lazarus story, welcome to one of the signature stories of the faith tradition. For the rest of us, did you hear anything truly new today? Truly useful today? Maybe a reminder of old truth. We are in the ultimate care of God. I mean, every day is a good day to hear that. What difference does biblical literacy make in the 21st century world? By the way, research is telling us we have actually shaped a biblically illiterate generation. I'm only noting this and taking it seriously, but also taking seriously what our teenagers are telling us in this community. We know these stories already. We've heard them again and again, and somehow it feels like they're not enough. It feels like that we have so much more we need to address, and we aren't. The adults aren't. There are big, deep conversations happening in the world, and we come to church and we hear the same stories again and again. Maybe it's because the adults don't want to talk about the big, deep things in the world. Well, 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 do we really want to hear the truth? Do we really want to hear the truth? You know, I have a neighbor who traps moles, the moles that come up out of the ground and make a mess of your grass, right? We had some moles in our front yard a few months ago. I spent time out in the front early in the morning trying to find these moles. Watch. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait. 
So the neighbor comes by and says, do you want help with these moles? I have a whole routine. I start on Monday. I, I start on Sunday. I set a trap on Sunday. I set traps Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I pause and I start again on Sunday. Do you want help with this? Just, just say the word because my record's really good in the neighborhood. Nine out of 13 moles I got this last month. He's out behind the house, actually, in a large field. There's a large piece of grass that belongs to the water company. He's out there setting traps all these days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I start all over again. So I begin to wonder about his process. Sunday, Monday, why don't you trap Thursday, Friday, Sabbath? I wonder, what, and what happens to these moles? And how, how exactly does he, and are they dead when he brings them out of the ground? I'm just, I, the more questions I started asking, the more I realized I don't really want to know. I, I, I don't want to know how you catch these things. I don't want to know if you bring them out and bop them and smash them. And I don't, what are you doing Thursday, Friday, Sabbath? And I don't, what does the trash schedule have to do with any of this? I don't want to hear any more. No, 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 no. I don't want to know the truth. The truth is, I don't always want to know the truth. The kids would like to tell us some truth. And it seems sometimes that the children, the kids are ahead of the adults. For a moment, I praise God for kids and youth made, um, in, made Imagio Day in the image of God with abilities and skills to prod us to a, a more attentive and attuned living. Out of the mouth of babes, that doesn't get enough airtime. From Psalm 8, verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic your name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You've taught children and infants to tell of your strength silencing enemies and all who oppose you. I want to take a cue from the teenagers of our church when they say, there's more we need to address. They witness to something I, I want to acknowledge, specifically here at La Sierra, where we've taught generations of youth now that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus. The next generations believed us. The logical question is, then what's the church for since it, it, it's not to take me to heaven and you've made that very clear. Perhaps while doing reparative work on the doctrine of grace, we overlooked the doctrine of the church, the, the idea of belonging to a covenant group of people who will be your people in the world. What difference does it make, pastor? What difference does it make that we know these Bible stories, but we're not finding the deeper connection we need, the deeper conversations? Fuller Youth Institute, part of Fuller Seminary here in Pasadena, they tell us that over half of teenagers walk away from the faith of their church after high school. Over one half of teenagers leave. The shifts happening in Christianity, they still remain ambiguous, not really knowing exactly what's on the other side of the shifts that are happening, but they're huge for teenagers. And this was before pandemic and the election cycle of 2020. Stated more positively, our kids need better support in asking questions, better experiences of being heard, sharper and coherent theological support, and relationships all around them. Stated more alarmingly, there's something about the way Christians are doing life with teens that has them reaching elsewhere for identity, belonging, and purpose. Identity, belonging, and purpose. Our teens are reaching for toxic narratives to fill a void rather than Jesus-centered narratives. 
We need major overhauls, the Fuller people are telling us, major shifts in approach for discipling these kids. It can't be addressed by adding more game nights and pizza, though pizza's always good. More than a year ago, we read through this application to participate with the Fuller Youth Institute. We signed up for this re research project even without Pastor Dave, bef just before he joined us. He signed on to this project then too. The Fuller folks said to us, we're not looking to convince you that change is necessary. Only serious churches apply. And so we did, and I'm grateful to Pastor Dave, who leads us in this cohort, this research experience, even while he's back home in Australia. And Pastor Bev and Pastor Ray, who've joined in the interviewing of dozens of our students here, listening, clarifying, being. We almost withdrew. This is a two-year project because pandemic. We lost some of our partners in the community because of pandemic, but we decided to remain. We're the only Seventh-day Adventist church in this research pod right now. What we hope to learn is how to become the first and the best option in the neighborhood for identity, belonging, and purpose. How is a Jesus-centered narrative better for our kids? How can a Jesus-centered narrative carry them? What good does it do if our kids, if we teach them all these stories, all these Bible stories, yet they carry deep voids? Truthfully, I think the kids articulate what adults feel too. And now we feel it more intensely, 2021. Most of us retreating to our corners, really. Most of us throwing in the white flag and finding our, our ways back to healthy relationship, it's gonna to be too much work. Good thing it snowed last week because that's something we could all talk about together, right? What's, har what's harmful about commenting on the snow? Eavesdropping some young, young adults in the community back and forth, back and forth with these contentious conversations. Go educate yourself, you go educate yourself. I am reading, I'm knowledgeable. On this topic, I, I, am, I, I, I am reading. Well, where are you getting your information? It's garbage. My information is garbage. Your information is garbage. It ended this way. My information is disinformation to you. Your information is disinformation to me. Let's simply call it what it is and part ways and have a good life. If these two were in the therapist's office, the therapist might say to them, go, go, go ahead and divorce now. The divides are too great. The guarantee of repair is too small. You'll be working on this the rest of your life. Go ahead and walk away now. But I find myself with the Bible open, unconvinced. What is the covenant community for? What good do the people of God offer in these troubled times? Why is a Jesus-centered narrative still our best option? Reducing the Lazarus story to a once-in-a-lifetime healing is to leak the life right out of it. What a paradox. Jesus resurrects Lazarus only for what? He will die eventually again on this earth. And we're simply to then to set our minds on another time where death shall be no more. Is that what the story is about? Except Jesus gives us 45 verses to watch the community work. 45 verses that confirm Doing pain is real. It's, it's, it's real for us and it's real for God. Grief and lament, they belong and emotions have their place. And life, zoe, quality life in the presence of Jesus and a Jesus community, it's unmatched. 
Jesus raises Lazarus to remind the people, don't waste your one shot. We get this one life with Jesus. Raising the dead, calling people from graves, setting them free in this world. These scenes are God's, but not God's alone, because resurrection is not the last act for Mary and Martha and their friends that day. John 11, verse 44. The dead man Lazarus came out. His hands and his feet were bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped up in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Unbinding is the last act. People coming alive in this world, they need care. Binding bandages, they don't belong on the living. No one can free, be free when they're swaddled in layers of debris. So the community has a significant role in this divine initiative of recreating. Ours is to make sure none of us trip and suffocate on our own bandages. Ours is to encourage one another to come out of the safety from your sickness and mourning and live Unbinding for the purpose of life. This is the task of the community. The community that wrapped Lazarus for death, it's the same community that unwraps him for life. We need one another just now. Healing, healing in real time, it requires a change of mindset and and some of the most difficult work that humans do. No one offers us anything for putting in our time for putting in the time to heal ourselves. We get no degree, we get no vocational satisfaction or advancement, no pay raise, no promise of relational revivals, no guarantee of anything. Healing is work. Sickness is familiar. Wellness is work. We've said around here for years, sickness is familiar. Wellness is work. Jesus must be onto something when he asks the question, do you want to be healed? It's a practical, pragmatic, pointed, piercing, life-counseling question from Jesus. Do you want to be healed? The pastors, your pastors, we are praying in advance that our answer around La Sierra is yes. Yes, we want healing. How will we do this and what do we prioritize? We're not quite sure all the answers and, and here's what I'm proposing so far. We will cherish truth will speak of failures, be accountable, repent actively, rest regularly, stay in the conversation. And all of this means creating a community saturated in grace. For these next weeks, this is what we'll explore. Do we really want a healing As part of our research with the Fuller Institute, we started asking the youth of this church about their dreams for the church. Here's an excerpt from simply one answer. Well, the youth said, my dream for the church kind of depends upon the world healing from COVID, but my dream for the church is that the kiddos who grew up here will stick with the church, that they will stick with God, that they will stick with each other, and that we will gather each week with a lot of love and a lot of generosity in our hearts, and that in between Sabbaths, we will actually get out there and do God's work of healing and helping in our communities. I think we're already doing this, the teenager said, but I hope that my generation takes that and keeps going and maybe even does it a little better and with a little more love and a little more justice and a little more action. Do we really want 
a healing. According to the teenagers, the answer is yes. Amen.